classes are dismissed at this time. And I invite your attention to the Gospel of John. Gospel of John chapter 7. Again, we're delighted to have each of you here with us in the house of the Lord this morning in His presence. He said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I will be in the midst. Aren't you glad for the presence of the Lord? Amen, amen. Church wouldn't be much fun if Jesus was not here. Just simply be a social gathering. That's not to say you can't have fun in a social gathering. But we are here to celebrate, to exalt that name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. John chapter 7, verse number 37. John writes, On the last day, the great day of the feast, that being the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus stood and cried out. He didn't just get up and say something. He stood up and he cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, he being a general neutral term, meaning humanity, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spake concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, we, I come to you today asking you to quicken my mind and my spirit as I stand here in your holy presence and before your people to minister here today for a few moments from your word. I pray that you will take the thoughts that your spirit has placed in my mind and heart and the things that you have given me throughout the course of this week in preparation, that you will speak through this vessel, that, Lord, you'll use us today in a mighty way as we minister for a few moments. Lord, that we might take your word and apply it, that we might use it skillfully, that we might, as an able minister of the New Testament, allow you to speak through us, in us, and to our hearts. And it's in Jesus' name that we ask this today. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. An unusual statement, to say the least. If you have done any reading at all in the Gospels, you have no doubt noticed that Jesus taught the people of his day using analogies and metaphors or commonly known as parables. In fact, in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 34, Matthew records these words. He said, All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables. 
And without a parable, he did not speak to them. Now, a parable simply being is a short, simple story designed to communicate a spiritual truth, a religious principle, a moral lesson, a figure of speech in which truth is illustrated by a comparison or an example drawn from everyday experiences. Jesus was notorious for using parables and for using metaphors. He could take the most common experiences and transcend them into a spiritual thought and a spiritual concept. Whereas a metaphor is a figure of speech in which one thing is spoken of as if it were another. In other words, taking a natural event, metaphorically speaking, and transcending it to a spiritual application, if you will. Now, I must admit, analogies, parables, and metaphors is a very effective method of illustrating and teaching biblical truths. If it were not so, Jesus would not have used them. Amen. It is very obvious when Jesus cried out on that infamous day, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, in our Western way of thinking and in our Western mindset, it's really not easy for us to wrap our mind around the spiritual application and the truth in which Jesus was inferring here by making this statement. He was speaking in metaphorical terms of the Holy Spirit. We obviously have gleaned that idea and that concept from what Jesus is saying. But how does that relate to water and how does that relate to living water? Using living water to symbolize the Holy Spirit, which was to come, is what Jesus is illustrating here in this passage. You see, living water from a literal perspective refers to water that is on the move. That lovely retention pond that the county has so proudly built next to me is not living water. It's as dead a water as water can get. So those retention ponds that you see all over the county, here and there and everywhere, that are filled with water right now, are not. It's not living water. As a result of the Middle East, specifically Israel, being a dry desert land, with the exception of the Jordan River Valley, the people of Jesus' day understood the value and importance of living water. Water was a very, very high important commodity of their day. We go to our faucets and turn it on and there it is. It was not the case in Jesus' day. So the importance of water grasps their attention and grasps their mind when he said to them, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart or his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. They understood that. You see, at the most northern boundary of Israel, in Old Testament times, was a place called Lebanon. It is from the high mountain ranges of Lebanon that the infamous Jordan River has its origin. 
And the Jordan River was a very important part of the life of the Middle Eastern, inner Middle Easterners of this day. And no doubt still is today. As the waters would flow down from these mountain peaks, it begins its life-giving flow. In fact, it was the cedars of Lebanon that God chose to be used in the construction of the temple. He told Solomon, you go to Lebanon and you choose cedars from Lebanon because there they would be the choicest of timber and of wood. At the base of a place called Mount Hermon, and you'll note Mount Hermon several times in the Bible if you do much reading in the Old Testament, just to the south of the mountain ranges of Lebanon actually begins the Jordan River. Well, I thought the Jordan River was that muddy river that Naaman didn't want to go dip in seven times. It, in fact, it is the same Jordan River. But as the Jordan River flows through this dry desert land of the Middle East, it teems with life and it gives life as it makes its journey. It's not just a body of water that happens to flow through a part of the country. And it's not just a place where it just happens to be there. But it is a life-giving flow of water that provides. It's a means of commerce for those folks. It's a means of travel. Farmers thrived up and down the riverbanks and along the Jordan River Basin as they provided food and the necessary things for life. And it was because of this flow of water that started miles and miles away up in the mountaintops of the, of the mountains of Lebanon. And it began its flow that gave this livelihood to a otherwise dry and barren region. To a land that was mostly desert, dusty, dry, a lot of rocks, a lot of mountains, a lot of all of that stuff that, uh, that we just can't hardly relate to. You see, it was a livelihood, the rich soil that lines the river basins, gives life and food to all of those in the region, and continuing to give life to everything in its path. You may not have realized that rivers were that important, especially this particular river and this particular part of the world. The water just continues to flow. It just continues to bless and giving life as it makes its journey. It was used for multiple things. It was used for multiple uh, things that, that made life what it was in the Middle Eastern countries of those days. With a multitude of tributaries flowing from it in all directions, south and east and west, as it made its journey. Along those tributaries were farmers who were growing food. And along those tributaries were all of the things that made life what it was. Using this metaphor and this idea and this concept, Jesus is illustrating that those who come to Him and are born again and drink of the fountain hole of the Holy Spirit will be rivers of life in our world and to our communities and to all who are around us. Amen. Without question, we as born-again believers have been blessed beyond measure. Amen? Amen. I could write a pretty thick book on all of the blessings that the Lord has bestowed upon me through my relationship with Him down through all of these years. So without question, we as born-again believers have been blessed beyond measure. As the old course goes, I am blessed, 
I am blessed every day that I live. I am blessed. When I wake up in the morning or I lay my head to rest, I am blessed. Amen. And the blessings just keep coming. The blessings just keep flowing. Just as the water continues to flow from the mountain ranges and down through the Jordan River, so the blessings of God through His Holy Spirit just continue to flow in our direction. Jesus told His disciples, which is applicable for you and I today, He said to them in Matthew 10 and 8, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, Cast out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Amen. Freely you have received. Freely give. We have received so much. Amen. Peter and John were on their way to to temple one day wasn't long after the initial infilling of the Holy Spirit. God was moving in a mighty way. and These were two guys that didn't have very deep pockets. They were kind of scrimping along as they made their way through life. And Some years earlier, they had given up the family business, and no doubt they had run through all of their savings. And So as they approached the temple, here's this, fellow sitting there and he's asking of alms and he'd been lame from birth and every day he went there and he would take his little tin cup and he would shake it and ask of alms to those who would pass by and this particular day and Peter and John no doubt had walked by this guy many times before without any response or if they had a little change in their pocket or whatever it was they might have thrown it in the cup and continued on their journey But this particular day, they stopped to freely give what they had received. You know the story, Peter looking at him and said, Silver and gold, have we none but such as we have given unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk, and you know the story. Peter took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose and walked. Freely we have received. Freely we must give. The question that comes to my mind at this juncture is this. Are we freely giving what we have received of the mighty blessings that have been given to us through the presence of Almighty God in our life? Now, please understand, I'm not talking about money in this context. I'll do that some other time. I'm talking about giving of the precious gift of life, of healing, of liberty, and freedom from sin, and the world around us, hope and reconciliation for a lost world. Are we sharing with them and and relating to them? Oh, friend, what a day it was when I was saved. What a time it was when the Lord changed me and transformed my life to what it is today. He didn't have to do all of that, but He did. He didn't have to love me, but He did. Amen? And when it's all said and done, we have been blessed with so much. Now, I know everything may not be just the way you want it. I understand that. 
I understand that everything is probably not perfect. I don't know that there's ever been a day in my life when everything was just the way I wanted it. I'm pretty hard to please. So, But however, if you were able to get up this morning and plant your feet on the floor, take a breath of air into your lungs, have food on the table, a roof over your head, I'm going to tell you right now, friend, you've been given much. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and your friend and your constant companion and He walks with you every day, you've just been blessed upon blessing upon measure upon measure. We have been and are being blessed every moment that we live and every hour that we get to spend in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in our life. Freely we have received and freely we need and must give. We can't just continue to receive the blessing and not give anything in return. We must share that joy in life with those who we interact with. When someone asks me how I'm doing, I need to retort and respond very quickly, I'm doing marvelous. It's an awesome day today. Oh, but pastor, I don't know, man. I, I don't, I don't feel so awesome. I, we must let them know that we have a hope beyond anything they can comprehend. Amen. When they want to know why and how we endure, we must be ready to share with them the joy of Jesus Christ in our life. I don't know why Jesus loved me. I don't know why He cared. But as the Course says, I'm glad He did. Amen? Okay, back to the Jordan River for a few moments. I left you standing along the bank of the Jordan. As the river makes its way south, please understand, it's flowing down through a desert part of the world with the exception of the Jordan River Basin. Water was a very valued commodity, and still is today. It flows and makes its way south, and finally it makes its entrance into the Sea of Galilee. Yeah, Jordan River flows into the Sea of Galilee. And all continuing there to give life as it makes its journey. And all the stories that abound in the Word of God surrounding and involving the Sea of Galilee are many. An area where Jesus was often seen around the coastline and around the area of the Sea of Galilee. In fact, one day if you'd have been out there, you'd have got to see him walk across the Sea of Galilee on top of the water. That would have been a hair raiser, wouldn't it? It was from the region around the Sea of Galilee that Jesus chose several of his disciples. Several of them men that he chose made their living from fishing, family businesses at the Sea of Galilee. And from the Sea of Galilee, the Jordan River continues its journey of giving life and provision all the way down through the center of the Middle East until it reaches a very low and dreadful place.
that dreadful place called the Salt Sea or commonly known as the Dead Sea. I find the Dead Sea, the more I read about and study about it, it's just amazing to me. Now, the Dead Sea lies at the southern end of the Jordan Valley. Now, I'm going somewhere with this, so stick with me just a few moments. Oh, we remember the days when we received Jesus Christ into our life and was filled with His Spirit. My goodness, we like to rock the house. Amen? Oh, we were so happy and filled with joy and excited and thrilled about all that Jesus was to us and what He meant when He made His entrance into our life. We couldn't just wait to tell everybody that we come in contact with. We were full of life, brimming over and excited about what Jesus Christ had done, the difference in us, the change He had made, the feelings we were experiencing, all of that that goes along with being born again. How many of you remember that? Well, I know for some of us it's been a long time ago, but I still remember. <laughs> oh, what a thrilling and exciting time it was. It was fresh. It was new. My goodness, we just couldn't wait to get to church. We couldn't wait till the next meeting. We couldn't wait till the next time we got to sing and lift our hands and praise the Lord and, and worship Him and adore Him, right? What happened? I'm being facetious when I say, oh, we were just thrilled, right? I was. And I know I'm looking at the faces. Some of you are thinking back, whoa, I remember that. Amen. We were spiritually alive. We were spiritually thrilled and excited and just caught up in the minutia of being born again and knowing Jesus Christ and watching what he was doing in our life and the doors he was opening up and the things that were happening. And whoo, boy. Oh, what a time it was. Feeling the call to the ministry, I'd stay up all night long and read the Bible and study. Now give me five minutes in the chair and I'm sound asleep. Till it's time to go to bed and somehow insomnia kicks in. I don't know what happens there, but... Oh, let me tell you. The Dead Sea lies at the southern end of the Jordan Valley, occupying the 53 deepest miles with an average breadth of 9 to 10 miles. The surface, listen to me now, the surface of the Dead Sea is 1,290 feet below sea level, below the Mediterranean Sea. And it's another 1,300 foot deep at its deepest point. From there, the bed shells rapidly till they, they, they go on out rapidly till the whole southern end of the sea is only about 8 to 14 feet deep. And obviously, these figures vary from year to year as, as they study the Dead Sea. And it's, it is fed. The Dead Sea is fed by the Jordan River and four or five other smaller streams which pour into it millions of tons of water every day. Millions of tons. Now, stay with me for a moment, you mathematicians. We'll just take a million, okay, just to round the number off and give you some kind of idea. If there were a million tons of water flowing into the Dead Sea every day, 
A ton equals 2,000 pounds. If you multiply 1 million times 2,000, gives you your total pounds. A pound, a gallon of water weighs 7.5 pounds, and you divide that number by 7.5. Do you realize that 266,666,666 gallons of water would flow into the Dead Sea every day? Just one million. And they say millions, multiple, plural, flow into there every day. It just keeps receiving. Just keeps receiving. Just keeps receiving. Just keeps receiving. But never gives a thing. It can't. It's too low. There's no streams that flow from it. There's no means for the water to flow on. There's no way for it to have a tributary going out of it. And the tragedy is, it has no outlet. The deep, the Dead Sea cannot give anything. It's too far below sea level. There aren't any streams running from it, and it doesn't, it just, just receives, it just receives, it just keeps taking and just keeps taking. And if you and I spiritually, if we just keep receiving and just keep taking and just keep receiving and never give anything. Hour after hour, the water just keeps pouring in, but it does not change the condition of the Dead Sea. All that fresh water pouring in doesn't change it a bit. All it does is receive. It continues hour after hour. The water just keeps pouring in. It just keeps getting blessed and blessed with an inflow of water from the Jordan River. The water that once gave life for all of those hundreds of miles from the Lebanon mountains. The water that once provided all of them blessings and things coming downstream. is now reduced to a stagnant, briny, smelly, non-moving and non-giving pool of water. Amen. And no means of giving life. You know there's not one bit of life in the Dead Sea. There's not one fish. There's not one plant. There's nothing that lives in the Dead Sea. Amen. Obviously the spiritual analogy is here. And that's the point I wanted to get to, going to give you a picture of what Jesus was saying here. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The metaphor, if you will, as provided by Jesus is this. If we don't give that which we have received and we've been given so much, we will become spiritually lifeless. I don't want to become spiritually lifeless. We will, be, we will not be effective in our endeavors. We can't just continue to receive without giving. If we do, we will only grow stagnant and ineffective in our reaching out to a lost and dying world. Amen. The church is a living church. 
designed the church to be an exciting church. A dynamic church. Amen. Interestingly, the only means of relief that the Dead Sea has is by evaporation. And often so great as to... That's what's going on with that retention pond right next to my house. It has no relief but by evaporation. And there's not much evaporation going on right now. A few more rains like we had the last couple of days that will be in my backyard. Anyway, the only means of relief it has is by evaporation. And you see, this evaporation causes the bitterness of the sea. So, so they tell me. It's not, give, it's not giving by flowing. It just continues to receive. The water is nauseating to the taste and oily to the touch, leaving upon the skin when it dries a thick crust of salt. Its buoyance is so great that it is difficult to sink the limbs deep enough for swimming. You know they tell me you cannot drown if you jump in the Dead Sea? If you can't swim a lick, you wouldn't drown. It's because the condition of the water. I just threw that in. It has nothing to do with spirituality. I think the metaphor here is obvious. We, the church of the living God, and I say all of us say this, we must maintain a spiritual level conducive to giving life to those around us. Amen. Now, please don't, I'm not calling you the Dead Sea. Don't go anybody go home and say, oh, Pastor, call us the Dead Sea. Now, I'm not saying that not one time am I saying that. I'm just simply using the metaphor to illustrate a very pointed spiritual truth. If we only receive and never give, Jesus told them disciples, Oh, I've called you to heal the sick, cast out demons, do everything. Freely you have received, freely give. We must maintain a spiritual level conducive to giving life to those around us. And the only way we can do that is to give of the gifts of the Spirit which we have so freely received. We can't sit still and be dormant and think we are being effective. Amen? I'm almost done. Stay with me just a couple more minutes. Remember, Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. You see, the river of the Holy Spirit is to run freely through our lives. Amen. We didn't receive the Holy Spirit just to feel good about who we are and what we are, but it's an instrument by which He can work through us. Amen. Some rivers overflow their banks at certain times. Oh, I would to God we'd see a spiritual bank overflowing and greatly enrich the soil and make it fruitful. A few years ago, I was up at my son's at Cape Girardeau, Missouri, and he knows several of the farmers in eastern Illinois right there just across the river, the Mississippi River, and they had had a flood like none they had experienced in many, many years. We was out one afternoon, and he was showing me the various different pumps and stuff they had trying to pump some of the water off this farmland. We was talking with a the farmer there, and you know, and I, I'm, I'm asking him, you know, about the devastation of the flooding and, you know, what it meant, you know, no crops that year and how they were going to survive and so forth and so on. And 
He was explaining that to me. And he said, but there is one real positive aspect to all of this. He said, if we can survive this year and we can get our crops in the ground next year, he said, the enrichment of the soil that has been caused and created by this flooding will be worth it time and time again. It enriches the soil. It makes it more fruitful. And so it is when we have the rivers of living water of God's Holy Spirit flowing from us, overflowing, erupting and emerging from the banks, it makes us more fruitful. The psalmist said it this way. Brother Dave, if you want to begin to make your way forward. The psalmist said it in the 46th Psalm, verses 4 through 5. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. So often, and I include myself in this, please, those of us who claim to have the Holy Spirit when asked how we're doing, or when the opportunity is given for us to share, if I'm not careful, I'll, I'll just say this about myself. I'll find myself wanting to complain about something. Oftentimes I catch myself and, no. God's been too good to you, mister, to complain. But I want you to know, my friends, if we truly believe in Him as the Scripture has said, we have a Savior. Not only do I have a Savior, but I have a friend in Jesus Christ like no other. He likes me when I don't like myself. He loves me when I am impossible. I know it might be hard for you to imagine that once in a while I get hard to deal with. I'm glad my wife's not in here right now. He loves me even then. As a born-again believer, we have a hope and an assurance that others that do not have this hope can only imagine. If I don't live to see the sunrise tomorrow, I know that He has conquered death. I know that I have eternal life. I know that it will not be the end, but just the beginning. If we really believe and trust in all that the Scriptures have to say about Jesus Christ and who He is, we have so much to give to others. He is a rock in a weary land. He's a shelter in a time of storm. He's a pavilion that can hide me in the midst of all the storms. He is my healer. Oh, friend, I can tell you hundreds of times that He's healed me. He has protected me. He has kept me from danger and from harm. He is a friend. He is a creator. And all that the Scriptures reveal concerning Him. Oh, we have so much to tell the world about. We have so much to share with the world and those who we interact with. Oh, friend, I'm going to say this, but I'm going to say it carefully. 
We should be the happiest people on the face of the earth. Pastor, you don't understand what I'm going through. No, I may not, but he does, and I have life. I have a hope like no other. I have a friend like no other. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friend, as you stand this morning, let me challenge you to be Spiritually alive and spiritually effective. Your neighbors and your work associates and your friends and your acquaintances and those who you will meet this next week, they're not looking for religion. They're looking for something that will change their life. They're looking for that which is real and that which will make a difference in their life. And I'm here to tell you, He has made a difference in me that you can't even begin to imagine. Oh, if you didn't know me back then, what a difference Jesus has made in me. As we worship for a moment today, I'm going to ask a question and only you can answer this question. Are you where you need to be and should be and want to be in your spiritual walk? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to have full control of your life And what he has for you in the course of this life. He's done so much for me, I cannot tell it all. First, he took my sins away. Ha! Amen. So as we sing here and we worship for a moment, let the Spirit speak to your heart. Brother David.